I will share with you that there is a part of this morning's lesson that I want to be sure that we do real good justice to because there's a controversy surrounding this and I'll just cut right to it. Uh, we all know that we're saved by faith through grace. It's the grace of God, not of ourselves, lest anyone should boast. It's an act of God based on simply on the fact that we believe that Jesus is the Christ, gone to the cross, suffered and died for our sins, and we're saved because of our faith, and the faith is a gift from God. There is a kicker here that comes into play a lot of times, and, and it requires us to understand. And there is um, a lot of teaching that says that it's not that simple, that you also must make Jesus the Lord of your life in order to be saved. That's not exactly what the scripture says on one hand. On the other hand, it does say that in one place. But we have to be very careful here. If we come to a place where we begin to put faith in the fact that we've made Jesus the Lord of our life, then we're putting faith in ourselves that we've done something and we haven't done anything, and we can't do anything, and we're not going to be able to do anything that will earn for us what Jesus gave us. Salvation is a gift of God through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. Yet here we come, and I think that Romans 12:1 puts it best, and we'll be getting there in a couple of weeks. Lesson 9, part 1, we're going to be getting into consecration. But it says that, in essence, when I put it in my own words, we should make Jesus the Lord of our life. That's just a reasonable thing that we should do in lieu of what he has done for us. And the question comes, okay, why should we do that? When the big answer to that is simply the word love. Because of what he's done for us, our love for that, our love for having been just forgiven, just because he loved us enough to do what he did so that he paid for our sins purely from a heart of love. Purely from a heart of love. Because we know that we didn't do anything. We weren't good enough. My gosh, he died for us while we were yet in our sins. Scripture to tell us that, that he loved us this much. And then the way that that's supposed to work is that the love that we then have in return wells up within us to the point that we turn from this old place that I've <laughs> talked about many times where we turn from saying to God, don't tell me what to do to a place where we turn now and say, God, be the Lord of my life. Lead me, guide me, direct me. I want to do what you want me to do. I want you to be the Lord of my life because it's what I choose for you to be. So that's the difference. And uh, we want to talk about this morning about the Lordship of Jesus. He is Lord. He's Lord of all. But I don't want to present that in such a way 
that it causes anyone to think that they're going to do anything to earn this relationship that we have with God. The relationship we have with God is given to us. How we grow in that relationship, how we live and work and move and have our day-to-day -day being, there is some things that we can do. And isn't that a good thing? Because we all want to do something. <laughs> I mean, even if somebody who's in, in the human realm done something for you that they just loved you and they did something for you that was loving and kind, don't you want to love them back? Don't you want to do something for them? And so that's a natural response. And so God knows that we have this desire to be able to do some things. So he doesn't leave us without that capability. All right, enough on that. We'll get right on into the lesson then. <clears throat> Jesus is Lord of all. Uh, there's some scriptures I want us to turn to. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. And I, uh, I think in your lesson here, it starts at verse 7. And we'll just read this. We'll come back to this a couple of times before we're through. But Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to start reading in verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus is Lord. Lord of all. Let me carry us to some other scriptures. I want to turn. and 1036 are both very revealing. <clears throat> Peter 236, and then I want to read 1036. That's not 236. Uh, okay, go to Peter 1036 then. Peter or Second Peter? I'm not looking for that. I didn't write it down here. And I'm got There isn't a Peter. Yeah. Oh, I know. I was quoting Peter from Acts chapter 10, verse 36. But Peter, um, I've got Peter down in here somewhere too. But 
It's it's actually Acts where I wanted to go. I was talking. I wrote down Peter because Peter's talking <coughs> in Acts chapter ten. Chapter what was that? There is no chapter ten. In no, there isn't. And and, you're, and I I know that. I should have known that. Uh, what I had written down here in my notes, Peter and Pete and Peter is talking in Acts chapter ten, and. Uh, what I really want to do is get to this last couple of sentences, little words there at the end of verse 36, which really is kind of the title of the lesson. Verse 36, Peter preaching, he says, The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Turn back just a few pages, and that'll get me to where I'm wanting to go here, and go to Acts chapter 2 verse 36. And again, it's Peter preaching. And this is the first sermon of Peter. And he says in Acts 2, 36, Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. <clears throat> and um, understand that the word Peter used there wouldn't we translated Christ and, and accurately so, but it's Messiah. He was saying to them, this Jesus whom you have crucified is not just the Messiah. He's also Lord. Lord and Messiah. Lord of all. And then that's exactly what Peter said over there in 1036. He says that Jesus is now the Lord of all. I want us to try to grab that in a personal, down-to-earth, down-to-me-and-you kind of perspective uh, by saying, what can you think of that's going on in your life right now? Uh, we've all got circumstances. Uh, mother, mother-in-law in a hospital, nursing home, um, who knows who's involved with the people that are in this accident. Um, someone's sick and hurt. Someone's looking for a job and don't know which way God wants them to go, and so forth. So my, my question to you is, is just think of something that's going on in your life right now. What's going on in your life right now that's kind of a, <coughs> a deal, something happening? And the question then is, is Jesus the Lord of that? And that's where we need to be, guys. That's when we think of Jesus as Lord of all. He's Lord of everything. There is nothing in this universe that Jesus is not Lord over. God has highly exalted him. That's what was reading in Philippians. Set him at the right hand of the throne of God and made him Lord of all. He is the Lord of everything. And what that translates down to for me is that there's no circumstance in my life that Jesus doesn't have his hands on. And I find that encouraging and comforting. Um, I've, I've spent most of my life in slipping up, and, up until God really shook my timbers um, worrying about things. I came from a warrior. My mother used to say that she thought it was her job to worry about us kids. 
Well, I think she meant that in a little bit different tone. I think every good mother thinks it's her job to worry about her kids on the one hand. On the other hand, we're taught as Christians to trust God. We don't really have to be worried about it because whatever happens, he's in charge of it. It's happening by his will. That's a tough place to be sometimes. Sometimes. Um, two weeks ago now, my brother passed away. And um, I've, I've had one other brother and a sister both passed away. I'm the only one remaining of my family. I'm the baby of the family, and, and I'm still living. But the rest is all gone now. And I remember when others passed away that their spouses were just almost destroyed. But this time it was different. This time it was different because Linda, my sister-in-law, my brother Jimmy, had lived the last 35 or 40 years depending on God for everything. Worshiping God, serving God, reading God's word, teaching their grandchildren the Bible. They loved the Lord. So when Jimmy went home, Linda's upset, like, you know, certainly she's just lost the love of her life. They were married for 53 years. But she wasn't destroyed. Through her tears, she was able to say, I know Jesus is gone. She said, actually, I'm jealous. She said, I'm, I'm jealous of what he's seeing and experiencing right now. And, and that's just the difference, guys. When we know that Jesus is Lord of all, then whatever it is that's happening in our life, and I think of my brother uh, John, he's between jobs, and I think how, how disturbing that can be, what turmoil that can create, and should I turn here, should I turn there, what should I do about this, and what should I do about that, and, and it can be nerve-wracking, but if I know John Bassett, it isn't. John Bassett's got his faith in God and he knows that God will lead him where he wants him to be and Jesus is Lord of this as well as the fact that he's Lord over everything else. I hope, I hope that's enough said about that subject. There's some more subjects we need to get into. But, but you've read the lesson. One of the things that I want to do is I want to get into a little bit. You've got a handout on your table there. Uh, there's simply some things pointed out from that that I want to get to. I can tell you now, I'm not even going to get down into the second half of it, but um, it was some, some stuff that I got out of a couple of different uh, commentaries, and good enough that I wanted you to be able to have that and read through it and add it to your, just add it to your lesson as an add-on uh, <coughs> to this page one of, lesson, of uh, part five. And I'm just going to read here for a little bit, starting at the top of that page. The most important truth in relation to Christian experience is that Jesus Christ is Lord. Our Savior's great objective and all of his redemptive work was that he might be Lord in the life of every believer. And we just read Philippians 2. Whether we recognize it or not, he is Lord. Look up Acts 2.36, which I just read, which is what Peter said. In recognition of his work and redemption, 
God has constituted his son both Lord and Christ. The father has given to the son absolute supremacy. That's an important sentence. <coughs> Our Lord 